Welcome to Not Over, Just Different. I'm your host, Natalie Ledwell, founder of Mind Movies, the ultimate personal development tool to visualize and achieve your greatest life. This podcast is for women who are looking for inspiration and guidance as they navigate the changes that come through moving through the various stages of life, or for anyone asking themselves, who do I want to be? Now, on this transformational show, I'll be talking to inspiring people from all walks of life about their stories of how they faced and overcame life's challenges in powerful ways. These are raw, candid conversations, often not shared until now. We'll be discussing topics like health, relationships, life's transitions, aging gracefully, and learning to see life from a fresh new perspective. We explore what it means to continually grow and evolve as your world changes and live a fulfilling life. As well, we'll provide you with amazing tools and resources to help you move through change with courage and resilience. So if you're ready to take the plunge and start your journey to becoming your most powerful, authentic self, then join me, Natalie Ledwell, on Not Over, Just Different for insightful conversations about how to tackle life's new chapter. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, we have the wonderful Holly Copeland here with us. Hi, Holly. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, Natalie. I'm just fine. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Uh, now, Holly, we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. Uh, Holly is a uh, a conservation scientist, recovering conservation scientist, could we say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Turned, um, uh, you know, energy healer, Reiki master, you know, and all of the uh, the amazing healing arts and modalities that she's taken on at this time of her life to to really help us understand kind of how the universe works, how our energy works, um, and how and what it means to be living a life from a place of awareness. So that's the juicy conversation we're going to be having today. <laughs> so, Holly, why don't we start uh, with your story because, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast who are looking at maybe changing, you know, something in their life, whether it's a career or whatever that is, but uh, you've actually lived through it to tell the tale. <laughs> I have. And I love speaking about that and inspiring people to move towards uh, their greater truth. And so I love speaking about how I felt like I totally upended my life and realigned it towards my truth. And to speak from the other side and describe the freedom and the joy that I feel there and how I made that shift is one of the things, one of the stories I love sharing. So, um, so I was working for the Nature Conservancy as a conservation scientist. That was the career I was trained in. I was trained as a geographer and scientist, ecologist. I wrote like over 20 papers and published them in scientific journals. So I was like doing the thing, you know, really um, steeped in ecology. And it was a wonderful career. And I was working with amazing people. And by all rights, it was a dream job. I was also living in a small Western town, raising my kids, living out my dream of raising my kids in a small town with my um, now ex-husband, but you know my partner at the time. And we were doing that very joyfully, I would say, you know? And I came to this point where I had checked all those boxes, you know, kind of having the dream job, having the the kids and the husband and all of that. And yet I still wasn't 
happy. I'd done all the things and I found myself with this, you know, existential, I guess, discontent and went on the search for what that was because I couldn't make my life any more perfect on the outside. I would have been crazy. And I literally was thinking that like, I am crazy to not be happy. What is wrong? You know, that kind of, yeah. And also really feeling a lot of despair and hopelessness over the state of the planet. So, you know, the kind of person who follows the news and, and felt like I was quite informed. And there was a sense of like, oh my God, everywhere I turn is an, oh my God, awful thing. Right. You relate to that? Oh, yeah. That's why <laughs> right? I haven't watched the news for 30 years. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I can't. I mean, I, yeah. it makes me feel helpless because there's nothing I can do about it, you know, kind of thing. So. Exactly. Exactly. And I ultimately stopped watching the news too. But, um, but it had that feeling of like, you can't turn anywhere and not sort of ha- feel like something awful is happening. And it, it actually culminated. I remember this moment. I had a trail behind my house that I, that I would run on every day. And this moment of like every single second, some, oh my God, awful thing is obviously happening all over the world. You know, whether you're talking about abuse of animals, children, whatever, right? Anything we would consider horrible. And so how do you come to live in, do I have the right to even be happy knowing that all of these awful things are happening? And is there, where is the happiness in the, you know, in the midst because even if I'm not aware of it, it's still an awful thing is happening. So I was really having this kind of existential crisis around how do we deal with the horrors in the world and, and still be happy? And do I even have that right? You know? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, my narrator voice was kind of unable to shut off. And um, and then I got mold poisoning. So I got a health crisis. Um, and that that mold... I didn't know what it was. And it took me a long time to even figure out with the help of some amazing functional medicine doctors and people who pointed me even that it was mold and then finding the mold. And that was like its whole year long journey as well. And the way that I tell it is as I started to do the work, I I basically got to this point with the, with the mental kind of evil good and the mental thing of like, I've got to fix this thing inside my head and figure it out. And I literally wrote my rewire my brain project at the top of my journal in 2019. Like I'm going to figure this out. And, um, and I'd been a spiritual seeker my whole life. So don't like think that I was like the first time I'd been listening to Eckhart Tolle and Oprah and I'd been like listening to the things. And so I had this deep spiritual knowing, but still this, this existential stress. I couldn't shake it, even from all that I knew. And so I started to go inwards and meditate because um, it felt like that was the last thing that I hadn't really tried. (laughs) Um, And I also started to read a lot about brainwaves and brainwave science. And I read this book by this Dr. Les Fermi called The Open Focus Brain. And I learned about alpha brain waves and theta brain waves and how to train my brain to calm down. And, and, and so I started practicing that. And I got a this muse headband, this headband that helps you like learn to get into an alpha state. Um, and then I took a meditation class with, with some teachers on subtle energy meditation. And we started doing these deep meditations. And they started showing me, like, I started going into these places in meditation that I'd never been and really 
feeling and sensing what's called emptiness in the Buddhist terminology. So really starting and asking the question, this who am I question of who am I really and and discovering the, the miracle of awareness and started to study all these different teachers. And that fundamentally started to pull me into, you know, a totally different state, what I call like out of ordinary mind into kind of awakened, what I would describe as awakened mind. And it fundamentally changed everything about how I am, see, are in the world. And I found the, in that sense, I stopped the seeking. I found the happiness I was searching for and um, became my life's mission to help others with that too. Yeah. I love that story. And I know there's a lot of our listeners who can relate to a version of that for themselves. You know, because I too, I mean, I started, um, I was handed my first set of cassettes when I was 21, but that was more, you know, like uh, uh, Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins. And then I started reading in my 30s, I started reading things like Conversations with God and Celestine Prophecy and The Way of the Peace Warrior. And then, you know, was, and and, and I think sometimes, and, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you may find this is, you know, for you as well. Sometimes there'll be some, you know, like an Eckhart Tolle or some kind of information comes through and there's something in you that lights up. It's like, ooh, I need to know more. I need more of this. Like I'm I'm really attracted towards this. So it can take you down that that avenue. And it's amazing how something as simple as meditation can help us to discover what we already have inside of us you know, um, and our connection to the unified field or our connection to the divine and how when we can cross-section those two things through something like meditation, uh, it can really change the way that we understand and see everything, right? Yeah. So I know we were talking about, you know, having an aware mind or we're talking about awareness. So what does that mean to you? What's your definition of that? Yeah. And thank you for saying, yeah, all of what you just said, because I think you're absolutely right. It can, it, it, it's incredible, right? It doesn't seem possible that our perception could fundamentally, the mind can't grasp that your perception, how you perceive is actually what's narrow, what's creating the suffering that you're in, right? That some type of different pointing could actually fundamentally change your experience of being human, but that that is exactly my experience is that the discovery of this that was pointed to me and the practice of this does fundamentally change my experience of being human. Right. Oh. And one other thing, and I will answer your question about awareness. I think it's so true. Like when something can hit you, like I remember the exact moment I was listening to Eckhart Tolle interviewed by Oprah in her soul series. And I was staining the house and I had it playing in the background and he told his story about him not being his thoughts. And I literally just like, was like my head did a, you know, a head <laughs> like snap, you know, like what, <laughs> what do you mean? And how many times did I read that in a book, I, which I had, but the, like the way that he described it in that moment of his recognition, absolutely snapped something in me. I didn't, Ultimately, it took a long time to actually land in my own experience what he was saying, but it can happen like that. Like you, it's the, it's the snap of whoa that you want to look for. Um, Okay. So to your question about awareness. Before you, just before you answer that, because I had one of those moments as well. And this was the week that my husband and I separated and I was listening to the untethered soul 
by Michael Singer. Love him. I love him, love him. (laughs) And, of course, you know, the whole week it's like my mind is just, you know, where am I going to live? What am I going to do? Who am I? Who am I without him? It's always been us. You know, so you have all those thoughts going through. So it probably wasn't until like Thursday that I started to hear what what was said because I was listening to the book. And my, my thing was, you know, this is just a moment in time. It's just a moment. And we get to choose how we see this moment, how we perceive it, how how we are going to allow it to affect us moving forward. And it's one of millions of moments that you can have in your life. I'm like, yeah. But here's the thing about that. And the reason I, I had that moment, I think the reason you had that moment is because we were at that time or at that place on our timeline where that message was pertinent to what we needed to hear. Now, we could have heard it 50 times before, but because our life wasn't in a situation where we needed to know that just yet, it was until we were in that moment or in that situation that you go, oh, okay, I see. I see what's going on now, and and it lands in a different way. We talk quite a bit about self-love on this show, and I really can't go on without mentioning the importance of using self-love to help recapture the motivation and inspiration to live your greatest life. And I just so happen to have a very special gift just for you that can help you discover how to achieve your goals, rise above your limiting beliefs, and tap into your limitless potential. It's my best-selling book, Never in Your Wildest Dreams. And if you'd like to receive a free copy, just go over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash free book. And I promise you'll be glued to your seat all night reading the spellbinding stories of ultimate transformation. So again, head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash free book to claim your free copy. Completely. I so agree. Like you can't manufacture when something is going to hit you. That's the awareness is seeking itself, right? It's your awakening is seeking you. So therefore, you know, it will point to you when you are, when you are ready, you know, it, it will show itself. Um, and in that, I find a kind of hopefulness because we can relax a little bit, you know, we can be like, I don't have to try so hard. You know, I can just, it's not that you, you, you know, there's a, there's a level of efforting that you're still making but you can relax knowing the universe has your back. It's got you. It's seeking you. And the moment when you're ready to hear it, you will hear it. It yeah. will, you'll know, you know. Oh, and I'm getting all kinds of chills. As I <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, for, for a person who's like, a, I am, believe me, I am like the straight A student, try hard person. Like that's like, I, I, you know, love efforting in, and this journey out of efforting and trusting is actually my path to like deeply trust and have deep faith that we, we don't have to try so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think awareness for me is like, I remember having a conversation with my mom and she's like, I don't understand, you know, she's Catholic. I don't understand, you know, this spiritual thing you're talking about. And I went, all right. Okay. So mom, Tell me what religion does for you. And she goes, well, she helps me. it helps me to be a moral person, to do the right thing, and it helps me to explain when bad things happen. And I go, that's exactly what my belief and my awareness does for me as well. 
Mm-hmm. I It helps me to understand that when a, bad things are happening, atrocious things are happening, that it's part of a greater design or a, a greater play and there, there's a reason for everything. And even though it's it, you can go down to the minuscule, you know, the moment that's happening, or if you come out and I talk all about the the ten thousand foot view. If you're looking from here and you can see how all the pieces are kind of fitting together, then you go, I understand why that's happening, and you know, and and through my awareness, I get to choose how I process this information, how I use this information, um, how I leverage this information in a way that's going to help or to um, or to change the way that I see things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah you relax the victim in the story, yeah. I think, what I hear you say. Yeah, and I remember I've had a few through meditation had moments where I see life as a tapestry. Mm-hmm. But it's a ball that's continuously moving. But yeah. every string or every – thread in that tapestry is the person's timeline mm-hmm. and there's reason and purpose as to why things overcross and meet and so forth yeah 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 so to to answer your question more directly in terms of what is awareness to me i mean awareness to me now as i experience it is everything that's happening because ultimately my experience is that we're we're in we're in a universal hologram we're unlimited infinite beings and you know you know this um and, and it's and it's the it's the consistent it's the ground as the tibetans say it's our ground of being <laughs> and you know just for anybody who's listening right now because i love taking it out of the <clears throat> conceptual into the lived experience you know a, if you just gaze right now at an object in the room as you're listening to this and you just kind of let your eyes relax and you, you know, see whatever is in your vision. Mine's a, you know, wall with a desk and some things. And then you close your eyes and you feel what's here. And then you open your eyes again. You feel what's here. Awareness is the unchanging element of your experience. It's that simple. It's the one thing that is unchanging in all the experience, right? There's a presence or a beingness here that when I close my eyes and open them, it's very clear that this, that this beingness is here. Mm. It's that. And that is so, you know, has been said in so many different scriptures and right. It's so simple. It's so easy to overlook. And then there's sort of like, well, what's so great about that? How is that truly transformative? Um, and in my in my experience, what you can experience for yourself, actually, even right now, that this presence, this beingness, that whether you open or close your eyes is still here, also is the same beingness that's here. You know, you you allow a thought to arise; it could be a bad thought, a good thought, and then the thought leaves. Right. So, no thought you've ever had has ever stayed. No feeling you've ever had has ever stayed. There's this beingness that transcends and is um, unstainable, you know, as I've heard it described. And that is my experience, Mm. which means that the presence and the being we are is 
fundamentally perfect as we are. It doesn't need any fixing. Who you are doesn't need, you can't be better than perfect. And so it shifts for me this, you know, ultimately we do a little bit of, as as Rupert Sfira describes it, we kind of, we separate out that there's a presence and a beingness, and then there's thoughts and feelings and, and the, the elements of our experience, sight and sound that arises and comes and goes. And we kind of start to build this understanding, this felt experience that this beingness isn't any of those things. Those things are things we're aware of, but we aren't fundamentally them. Right. Right. And then we do come into a merging together where the ultimate understanding is we're actually all of it, <laughs> which is a little bit harder to kind of feel sense at first. But but um, nonetheless, I think ulti- that's the ultimate truth is we're actually everything that's that we're experiencing. Um, and um, and what I want to to also kind of maybe end this little part with is that for me, the fundamental truth here, because there's a, an awareness that is already and always whole that doesn't, isn't lacking or missing anything. We can start to feel that as our experience in reality, that you awareness and everybody listening, you are fundamentally whole. You don't need anything to be any different to be okay. And that understanding that I don't need anything different to be okay, to be fundamentally whole, means that the okayness that I was seeking is is what I am. It's already here. And each of us is like, it's okay. And when I recognize that, when I really like that landed for me in that deep, oh my God way of it's okay. Like I'm actually okay. And it's all going to be okay. Like there was such, I mean, well, actually the first moment I really felt this when a, when a guide I was working with said those words, and it was like, there were just floods of tears because I'd been holding this, all of my grief for the world and my sense of, of, the trauma of the world, like the conversation I started with, where I was like, how can I be okay when all these awful things are happening to everybody in the planet, you know? Mm. And, and that like feeling of I'm, it's actually okay. And it's going to be okay. Not as somebody needs to tell me that, but as actually my experience, then what I found is that that my knowing of wholeness, like putting your own oxygen mask on first in the airplane has now enabled me to come to anything to the world in from a place of wholeness, not a place of lack. And that's incredibly empowering because now we can be of service to the world. What I like to like one analogy I use is it's like the world is on fire. Like imagine, right? The house is on fire, right? Like we can't really argue the house appears to be on fire. And what, what each of us I think is growing into is becoming the firefighter in the story. Right. And we don't, we don't, the firefighters that are our heroes are not the ones that come to this fire and go, Oh my God, Oh my God, there's a house on fire. You know, which is how I spent most of my life. Right. They come and they like show up and they're like, I'm here. I'm ready to help. And I tell that story because the shift that happened for me when I fundamentally recognized that I was okay 
was I could show up in the world as the firefighter, like I'm here, I'm ready to help. And now I have infinite capacity to help the world so in need. Now I'm not suffering, I'm whole. And all of that came from my understanding of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the way that I like to describe it is that I am the observer of my thoughts. You know, I am the observer of the situations that happen outside of me. I'm the observer of my actions. Um, Mm. And so, and I think to be able to get to that point, uh, you know, I have, I, I know that we, as, you know, as we're growing up but and in our meat suit and the human part of our experience, you know, we have certain environments and things that happen when we're kids. And one of my coping mechanisms was to, you know, kind of shut down emotionally, like, a, you know, and to detach myself emotionally, which is a gift when you're looking at awareness and you can step out of a situation or a, with, without any emotional attachment and go, okay, I can see the, the the components here. I can have empathy for this this person. I understand what's going on. Like I, I can do that. It's also a double-edged sword because, you know, if you're shutting down emotions, you're shutting down all your emotions and that's probably not good if you're in a relationship. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but also having that awareness of, the human experience that we're having so that when certain situations show up, certain catalyzing uh, relationships, um, jobs, uh, people, uh, you know, situations that we can choose how we're responding in that moment rather than just reacting and which is normally from a place of wounding. Um, and then life just gets hard and then we keep attracting the same situations over and over again and going, well, what's going on here? <laughs> then you realize yeah. you're the common denominator and go, oh, damn it. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Um, but that's also, you know, practically how I see awareness or the benefit of how I see awareness showing up in my life as well because it helps me to have more empathy and to kind of stand out outside of the situation and, and be a little more, um, you know, empathetic when it comes to, you know, different different points of view, you know, different um, ways that people show up in the world and especially uh, on subjects that are very polarizing. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. sit and understand both sides of the, the coin, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I find that too, and especially in polarizing conversations, what I find is that it's actually seeing that awareness is the common denominator for all of us. Mm. So because, you know, you and every single person listening is an infinite divine being, right? In a sense, I see you as Buddha. I see you as Christ, every single person I meet, because I am no different than you. Awareness is the common element, right? I have the same, I have a hundred percent confidence that my awareness is the same as your awareness would be the same awareness. If Trump was sitting here would be the same awareness as, you know, the Dalai Lama was sitting here would be the same awareness as any other, you know, person, either side of whatever, you know, wherever you put them um, in the world, that awareness is the common element. And, and so that means that ultimately you know, when you see beyond the the conversation that's happening at the surface level, the polarity, the division, and you see into the humanness, the divinity, the awareness of each person, for me, it it brings enormous compassion and 
understanding um, to see them that way. And so my next question is, how do you cultivate or maintain this awareness? You yeah. Know, what are your daily practices to do that? You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. So in the Tibetan, in the Dzogen practices, there's first, you know, there's the view, which is seeing the view, which is what we just did that you see and you, you have this kind of felt, but actually not just conceptual knowing of awareness, but you, you have this sense of what, of your awareness. And then it's, it's practicing. It's actually like walking the path where everything that's in our experience is here to awaken us. And so you know, I practice it like lots of little moments throughout the day, you know, starting with meditation in the morning and prayer and meditation in the evening and little, as Locke Kelly says, little glimpses all day long. Mm. Um, and, and I did that for a long time until, you know, what, what I found is the more I practice that, the more it starts to stabilize, the more it becomes my lived experience of living, you know, f- as awareness basically, and not, as the character in the play. It's like you're kind of simultaneously in the play, you know, in the world, but not of it in the play, but also aware um, of the character that you're playing. And so it's, it, it, and it, and it isn't, and, and it becomes something that, you know, at first there's some efforting to kind of do those glimpses and then it starts to stick more and more and more um, where that becomes your lived place where you're operating from. And it is like that. It's like a shift in, in awareness. And, and I also find that like where I'm aware from has shifted. So most, you know, I think most people, and I certainly was one of these people where it feels like I'm operating from behind the eyes, a kind of space in the center of the head and more and more. um, And this is my practice too, is operating from the heart space, Mm. like looking at the world through the eyes of the heart. You know, because you can even do this now, like listeners that are listening, just notice what your experience is of looking at an object in your room from the normal way out behind your kind of behind your eyes and then shift your awareness so that you bring it, drop it down into your heart and then look, look at that same object through the eyes of your heart and see what you notice. What I notice, I, I actually, before I say that, what, what what do you notice, Natalie, when you do that? Well, when I do that, I notice that if someone, like I'm just thinking of past experiences, if if I'm in a like a heated conversation or if I'm you know in an angsty conversation, it takes me out of that conversation and just being able to see that other person from a place of love, <laughs> because even though someone may be catalyzing for us in that moment. of the time, it's not intentional. You know, they're coming from their understanding, their experience, um, and they're not doing it to upset you, but they're trying to, you know, show you their side of things. So when you are from a place of the heart, you can't do anything but love that other person. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, that's what I find too. I find an incredible softening, like that soft position. So, um, yeah. And there's, you know, there's lots of little ways that you can, you know, just kind of test yourself. Am I aware in this moment? You know, it can be very, very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, it can be pausing when you're in a conversation with somebody and just 
notice like, where am I aware from and drop into your heart? Um, you know, practice not having a view, like just being with the person as they're speaking and feeling their, the conversation through your felt sense rather than through the analytical mind, you know, um, it's those kinds of practices that, you know, I kind of did obsessively all day long (laughs) for, for a while, um, until it started to stick more and more. And I'm, you know, and I never stop practicing either. Right. It's just, it's a deepening, it's an evolving, it's an evolution in my experience that we're all on our own unfolding journey of, of experiencing, you know, through and as awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Holly, I knew that this was going to be a delightful conversation today, which it has been. Now, and I know that you, uh, you know, you do a lot of like energy healing. Um, you work with people in like in a coaching situation as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and how people can find you. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So they can find me at heartmindalchemy.com. That's my website. And what I do is I blended the work I do. So we've talked a lot about awareness today, and that's kind of the awakening part. And then I do have two other pillars in my work, heal and breathe. And I combine energetic healing with tuning forks, with biofield tuning work. You touched a little bit earlier in our conversation about, you know, triggers and when we get triggered by something, which is a moment to step into awareness and kind of, am I aware of this? Mm. But also I have found that working at the energetic level to clear those triggers, like we freeze, you know, the way I describe it is like when we are five years old, if we got bit by a dog, let's say, and we're sort of still afraid of dogs, that fear of dogs is held in our energy field as, as a dissonance, as a, as a literal kind of energetic angle Mm. and energy healing is one tool, you know, energy healing with tuning forks is one tool that can help untangle that knot so that you no longer are afraid of dogs. You know, awareness can, you know, definitely, I think you can, you can do this with the mind and sit with awareness too. So but I think tuning forks are a rapid way to help the body clear those patterns. Um, and then I do breath work um, that I learned from teacher Julia Mick, the Salignment Institute. And I combine those three modalities to help people clear their sort of old patterns and beliefs so they can be free and live aligned and the life they were meant to live. Um, yeah. And I, I, absolutely love doing the work awesome we'll make sure that that link is in the bio notes as well um so darling thank you so much for your time today and this great conversation and i'm so happy that we got to share it with with uh with our audience thank you so much you're so welcome thank you so much for having me on thank you so much for tuning into this episode of not over just different if you've been inspired by this episode and want to take the next step in your journey be sure to check out our welcome pack. It's a great way to start your own personal development journey with the help of our amazing community. Next week, we'll be back with even more inspiring stories and practical advice for anyone ready to take on their next chapter in life, feeling fully empowered and full of passion for the journey ahead. And be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast by visiting notoverjustdifferent.com. Also, a five-star rating and review makes a huge difference in helping us get the word out. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, keep living your best life.